The Exigent Legal Tech Mashup Podcast is a convergence of differing and opposing points of view that bring together legal operations, commercial, data and tech. In these lively discussions, we show you how alternative legal service providers, ALSPs, can help transform your organisation by leveraging technology and data analytics. Listeners will walk away with an understanding of how this powerful combination can directly impact your bottom line, help you extend the influence of your legal department, and provide you with an understanding of how AI can be leveraged to help identify opportunity and mitigate risk. Today, our focus is on how legal departments can utilize alternative legal service providers to optimize their operating models and create value. My name's Simon Nickeljohn, and I'm Exigence Associate Director for Legal and commercial solutions across the Asia-Pacific region. And I am hosting our panellists for today. I'm joined by Rico Burnett, who's our Director of Global Client Innovation at Exigent, and Eric Eckhart, who is a consultant focused on legal operations, optimization, and analytics. Welcome from the US, Eric, and from South Africa, Rico. For the purpose of today, really, before I hand over to, to you both is really to yeah, draw on some of your experiences and your ideas and share that with our listeners. So hopefully our listeners can take that and um, yeah, make an impact within their departments or stimulate some, some ideas to continue the conversation internally. To set the scene, alternative legal service providers have really changed the way how legal services have been delivered in, um, yeah, in, in recent years and uh, are now certainly part of the fabric of the legal industry. It's now 10 to 12 billion dollar industry um you know 10, 10 years ago um you know people um you know the, the sentiment was that it wasn't going to be a, a relevant industry for long it's it's here to stay and that's why we're while we're here and while we're we're chatting today and eric and rico i'll i'll come to you in in a minute because i know that um you're really going to bring to life where there's where, where traction can be gained through working with alsbs where the where the winds are where some of the challenges are and um and share some use cases as well I think it's helpful to paint a picture of you know, who Exigent is before I pass over to you because ultimately we are an alternative legal services provider and we're really passionate about transforming the legal industry and innovating to solve problems and, and that's where you know, Eric and, and Rico will come in shortly. I think it's useful to uh, articulate that um, as an alternative legal services provider, we uh, have a, a global multi-skilled team ranging from yeah, lawyers through to um, consultants like yourself, Eric, um, innovation team members like um, you, um, Rico, but also yeah, um, administration specialists, legal ops specialists, um, data and, and tech people as well. And that essentially that um, blended with uh, a, a technology stack, you know, which is yeah, both third party and proprietary um, technology, which focuses on you know, AI driven you know, discovery, um, contract management, and so forth. I think. Yeah, pulling all of that together to um, solve problems is going to be really interesting to hear your perspective um, over the, the next 30, 30 minutes um, and the evolution of how we got there. Um, I think that would be a good note maybe to, to draw you in, Eric. You know, 10 years ago, um, ALSBs were very different to what they are now. They've really transformed. Um, can you paint a picture of that for us? You know, ALSPs started you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, as a way to just simply drive down the delivery cost of legal services. So, you know, Exigent's story is that our, our CEO and founder uh, came out of the private equity space and was looking at, at 
deal transactions and diligence and saying like, wow, this has to be a, a there has to be a better way, cheaper way to do this than, than, you know, using a traditional legal services delivery model. The ALSP rose out of, you know, economic pressure more than anything. For the longest time, we've heard that uh, traditional law firm billing models, uh, hourly billing models aren't sustainable, uh, especially as the hourly rate rises and, and uh, internal commercial pressures that on the corporate level um, uh, increase. And so those two things can't always coexist. Uh, so the LSP was kind of a way that, um, you know, to offset some of those, those costs on outside legal um, and on legal legal hiring and internal legal budgeting. When corporations or even law firms work with an ALSP, they're able to uh, really find a partner in, in the legal process, right, in the legal ecosystem. And as a result, we end up, um, the LSP ends up branching out and, and uh, expanding on, on the delivery of legal services. So, for example, at Exigent, we quickly went from, uh, you know, doing the legal outsource legal work uh, to technology and contract management, uh, and then very, very quickly made the jump from the technology to the analytics and the data and commercial value and optimizing, uh, you know, not just legal, but operationally having impact on, on the entire enterprise uh, through data strategy and effective uh, analytics. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. And Rico, from your perspective, you have a slightly different perspective sort of coming from an innovation line, but you've previously been the director of the, the legal services team. So you've sort of had a nice cross-section of experience um, through you know, working inside of a, an ALSP. Can you give us some insight to you know, where the opportunities or, or even risks are? Coming from, from legal practice before then, of course, I've, I've made that shift into the you know, alternative legal services uh, industry. And really, it's it's not that alternative anymore. You know, thinking about what, what Eric has just said, um, in terms of its widespread adoption, you know, the, the size of the market and the ability for uh, alternative legal services to drive that tech agenda, you know, relatively quickly, as opposed to the traditional models of legal practice. And one of the things, you know, for, for me sitting on, having sat on almost both sides of the fence, so to speak, you know, is really being being candid about the success of an ALSP uh, and how you achieve that. And and a few risks do arrive, and these risks are things we talk to our clients about on a regular basis. You know, one of those one of those things is is really just about the, the notion of offshoring and transitioning work from a very uh, transparent, a very clear in-house structure into a system that is that is ultimately a little bit more remote. You know, there is that. That kind of um, consideration or stigma that still attaches, um, you know, one of those one of those uh, questions always arise when you start working with with ALSPs. That one is soon dismissed when you really think about how ALSPs are able to deliver services across border. You know, things like uh, ISO accreditation. Eric can speak to us about his his own journey with with ISO, right? ISO accreditation and the standing of tools and technology means that ALSPs are bridging that understanding gap. Uh, faster, right? So we can, we dismiss that risk and that challenge. I think the second one is really speaking to the first question about where alternative legal services started was it's maybe not perfect, but it's really cheap. So the risk is that that perception translates into the kind of work that ALSPs are briefed with today. You know, it's, 
it's it's nearly there. It's almost good enough, right? So the risk is that firms perceive through through what is created around alternative legal services this perception that it's this black box solution that work just goes to comes back and you you hope for the best. So there's a risk in believing a lot of the traditional stories about outsourcing and a lot of that that attention. Um, which really is quite easy to to bridge when you have a discussion, you know, with, with alternative legal services providers. And just quickly on probably the main advantage and the main benefit is 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 data. You know, Eric spoke about that initially, right? The ability for a for an alternative legal services provider to report, uh, to demonstrate value and to demonstrate efficiency is just paramount in every engagement. That ability to understand where we are in the process, how we're doing, how we're performing is extremely clear and extremely uh, valuable when assessing the performance of an ALSP. So the advantage is it's really an extension of what you do now, except it brings an added layer of, of security and added layer of uh, visibility that really is, is finding a niche in, in legal services markets. And those are three of the observations I can, I can make in, in transitioning from practice into ALSP. Yeah, thanks, Ray. I think it was interesting listening to um, uh, one of the the general counsels talk at the, the the summit last week, talking about the success of an ALSP lies in um, you know the buy in of the broader team as um, as a plug in or being an extension of the, the the true team, like like a law firm would be or like any um, true tr- trusted external provider would be. But Eric, I mean, from your perspective, where do you think um, you know what main opportunities do you think are presented? So the specific opportunity is obviously uh, unique to any any individual organization, right? Um, I think broadly, uh, corporate legal departments, even law firms, are they're looking to expand their influence within a uh, within the corporate infrastructure. Um, often, when you talk to people on the procurement side, or you know, even uh, contracts administrators, for example, who, who maybe don't sit with the legal team, but sit with the business unit, uh, sales teams, uh, even a lot of in-house counsel, they recognize that the legal department is viewed, you know, purely and traditionally forever as a cost center, um, a bottleneck within the broader operational processes for different departments. Um, and so, you know, in, in my experience, when we, when we speak to Corporate counsel, they're predominantly looking to figure out ways that they can expand their influence within their organization and uh, mitigate risk effectively uh, enterprise wide. Um, and I think that actually really speaks to the rise of the legal operations role in the in the last several years. Um, you know, corporations who have scaled around the legal department for you know, twenty plus years uh, suddenly are now with technology being available and, and uh, you know, mounting costs of legal because of an arguably imperfect uh, model for legal services delivery. Uh, they're looking at legal departments now and being like, okay, cool, great, integrate with the rest of us, you know, catch up, hurry up. And so they're dropping legal operations roles and functions within the legal department um, as a way to kind of drive the commercials. You know, hopefully the commercial. Uh, so I tend to believe that if legal departments are looking to expand their influence within their organization, it, it really is driven by a combination of, you know, alignment with their organizational goals, uh, whether that be risk mitigation strategy or cost um, financial strategy and uh, commercial value, right? So 
if the legal department is doing anything and making any recommendation uh, of a legal nature to help govern the other or govern other business unit action, that that needs to be uh, commercially valuable. Um, and so, even working with an ALSP, if they decide that they're going to, uh, for example, uh, use a task centric um, service from an ALSP, let's say, uh, you know, something like contract review or document review, uh, they need to be able to go back to the COO, CFO, and any other stakeholders and say, we did this for less. Um, here's the value in dollars and cents. And then, you know, kind of use that as a jumping off point for other broader goals that, that help them expand that influence within the, within the organization. Enrico, from your perspective, I mean, where, where does... Where does someone start with an ALSP? The short answer is start as soon as possible, you know, because the, the, the benefits are, as the industry evolves and grows and, and, and the technology makes it easier to adopt and integrate ALSPs into what, what could be very traditional ways of working, you know, it, it almost always comes back to really that, that um, original uh, original value position, right? Which is the efficiency, the cost saving, and the visibility over the process, right? So, you know, typically when, when we engage with clients, one of the, the key things that I like to tell them is, you know, you start with whatever the business problem is that sits in front of you. You know, it's, you know, typically the legal team are faced with, with a, a competing challenge, doing more with less. Uh, you know, fewer resources, uh, less time, but also a growing pressure to to minimize external legal spend, right? So in that dichotomy, find find those projects that will solve the current problem, right? That come from the desk of the CEO. That that you need you need talent or resource or capacity to support to support your goal. Um, you know, quite often in in the work that we do, the consultancy work. You know, Eric Eric does a lot of that consultancy work in the United States. In particular, the value saving in terms of contract analysis almost pays for these projects. And in many cases, um, they are almost completely funded by the savings you, you develop and you gain through the process. So the, the point of the project is really to understand what an ALSP, you know, does, understand how that might fit into the organization, but really focus on a, on a particular challenge that the legal function needs to solve right now. You know, plotting that with an ALSB who are always happy to work with you in that initial stage. It's a very different model. ALSBs will come to you and work with you before before the problem starts pitched to, to quote on and the proposal is submitted. So that, that level of knowledge sharing is quite deep. So I believe that the business problem is always one that you that you put in front of, of us and we work through it and crystallize a, a response. And that's just that kind of from the broad to the to the kind of narrow focused approach that I think Eric can, can also highlight. Um, is is really a great point to start with your journey. Yeah, um, I agree. I think uh, it all starts with a question, right? Um, you know, sometimes people walk around being unhappy and they never wonder why they're unhappy. I think legal partners, our legal departments are no different, right? They they know something's broken, something is is um, not quite working the way that it should, and they don't always stop to ask the question, why is this not going the way that it should, or how can it be going better, or um, are we aligned with our organization or are we not? And how do we kind of move into alignment? Uh, so I think questions are, are a really important first step. 
Um, <clears throat> I think another really important thing just to hit on again is that you're, you know, when working with an ALSP, uh, we're, not all ALSPs are, are created equally, right? And so the right ALSP isn't, isn't just providing legal services and legal support in a vacuum. Um, you know, you're finding a partner who, with whom you can grow, uh, and expand. You can leverage technology. You can apply data. You can do all those things that, that are kind of buzzing around the legal ecosystem and that a lot of, you know, lawyers, even legal operations people, um, don't fully understand or, or grasp. And so I think it's really important to find the right ALSP to partner with. And then you can figure out how to expand on those, those basic questions and implement, uh, kind of the right strategy. Um, and, you know, it might be something as simple as looking, like, like I mentioned before, looking at maybe commoditized repeatable tasks that, uh, you're allocating internal resources to, um, and just kind of offloading those from your internal team might open up, uh, open up the bottleneck, uh, so that you can kind of focus your internal staff on, on the more pertinent, um, Things that need to be done in-house uh, as opposed to outside. Uh, similarly, uh, it might you know be some a question of finding an ALSP who can kind of help you with that steady state uh, work while you figure out how you need to overhaul your your the structure of your legal department, right? Maybe decentralize your legal department a bit and and expand on the influence. Uh, of legal by sitting legal assets on cross-functional teams within the organization. And all of that can happen if you have a partner in your ALSP uh, who has analytics background, technology background, operational, uh, you know, consulting background, um, and is, is focusing on optimization, taking that optimization approach. Um, and not forcing you to fit into, you know, kind of a one-size-fits-all methodology. Uh, but rather applying the, that expertise into uh, to help shape your your unique situation um, around your unique corporation while applying and leveraging best practices and knowledge. Um, so I think that's um, that's kind of where I think it's a good starting point. It's a really interesting journey. Um, you know, if if you, you rewind to the start of the conversation, which was the evolution of um, ALSPs, which the evolution came from really um, a basic, you know, um, basic cost-driven, playbook-driven, um, task-driven work. Fast forward through to you know some of the things that you you spoken about today um, with the you know, skills evolving, um, technology evolving. Um, collaboration with technology providers and so on um, into you know, problem solvers. And I think that that's a really interesting point because I think some customers um, and some clients aren't quite um, aren't quite sure where to start when it comes to ALSPs. And I think um, understandably why, because there's been a quite a trans- transformation over the last 10 years into problem solvers. And I think that gets thrown thrown around a lot today. And there's a bit of a, a buzzword when um, you, you hear people talking about we, we solve problems. But it's interesting hearing you talk about that. Um, Rico, perhaps you can bring that to life a little bit more because you, um, you're the director of innovation or I think you call it the mind factory now whose who's, you know, purpose in life is it is to solve problems, um, so to speak. So can you just bring bring to life that 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 way of, of thinking because I think that will help our, our listeners in terms of understanding the possibilities in terms of how they might be able to engage with ALSPs. 
it's a common problem, uh, you know, in, in these cursory conversations with clients is, listen, you know, the value proposition, I can understand that I can, I can kind of see the case study. Uh, I can see recognition and how the industry is, is being afforded a lot more of the respect that, that, you know, ALSPs, I think, deserve in helping to shape the market. Um, but, you know, but that resistance or that hesitation is completely, um, is completely understandable. And I think one of the key issues we are facing in the market is that this offer to fix problems always comes with a slight little, little reservation at the end, which is the problem can be solved if you invest in this piece of technology or if you sign up to this quite extensive transformation program. And what that tells a client is that this will have a fundamental impact on your people and your process. And you have to trust us to tell exactly what that's going to mean. Right. It's not necessarily grounded in the way that clients, corporates or law firms are even thinking. So it, it doesn't give the client the level of comfort they need that this will be a process that they will come alongside us on. And that's, I think, what, what the key is in what we try and do as we, we, we've styled ourselves as the mind factory because we produce different ways of thinking and not necessarily plopping a tool or an app you know, or a, or a heavy project on a client that ultimately maybe needs something straightforward and, and, and simplified. So the start of the journey is to explain and gather a client's thoughts and, and, and fears, to be honest, around what the impact might be of a revolution. You know, and Eric was speaking about that, you know, fundamentally working with an ALSP brings about a very fundamental result, you know, dramatic reduction in costs or turnaround time or, or improvement in, in value generation. And the process will start with sitting with the client and, and, and talking them through who you are, what the ALSP model is, you know, how we work, how we function, bringing them along that journey and ultimately um, making them understand that there is working with an ALSP, at least a greater degree of knowledge transfer that, that they can take away from a project. So it's not a, it's not a black box solution. As I, as I mentioned, we see that now with the current, the current challenge in, in response to, you know, supply chain hardship. Um, you know, if simply, simply telling a client that, look, it's, it's, it's all going to, you know, go to heck and you need to rigorously analyze every single piece of paper you have in your business doesn't, doesn't give them any confidence. So the, the kind of four steps we do, uh, consider and when we talk to a client with this, we try and describe with them what the initial requirement is versus what the actual business requirement might be. We try and put together the, the right team or the right combination of people. It's not just a, a legal response. You know, we have, we have expert consultants, you know, like Eric, you know, guys, data science background, mathematics background, financial backgrounds, assembling a multi-skilled team that ultimately will, will pull the client into that process. And it sounds quite straightforward, but we see that missing in, in, in so many uh, of, you know, of, of the engagement out there today. It really is about bringing the client in on this journey and allowing the client to help shape how we deliver that response. And only an ALSP actually gives you that flexibility. Um, that's not what traditional law is is uh, you know is currently performing at. Not all ALSPs can do that, right? Exigent can do that, and you know maybe a, a few others. Yeah. But I think that um, you know I, the the way that the the market is evolving. Uh, not every ALSP has caught up to where we are in our approach to these, these types of, of projects and, and, you know, kind of finding the convergence of, uh, you know, commercial value and legal practice, right? Um, it, it's the business of the law, you know, not, not the law of the law. 
And I think that's, uh, you know, a really big um, kind of important distinguishing factor for anybody who's looking to start on, on the journey of lowering the lowering legal costs and, and uh, increasing influence and starting to leverage legal data and technology. Um, you know, the right ALSP can even act, you know, in, as you mentioned, in a consulting capacity as Exigen can uh, to help implement the right technology for you, whether their own or, or somebody else's. And so, um, you know, when you're, when you're looking at, at the way that you apply analytics and analytical thinking and, and deep expertise uh, throughout, uh, you know, whoever, whatever organization you're looking to partner with, it doesn't necessarily have to even be an ALSP, right? You're not going to choose an accounting firm that uh, that doesn't have the best accountants and can't, you know, do more than just crunch numbers. Um, and so I think we're, you know, we're talking about how ALSPs are upping their game. Um, and, you know, not every ALSP can do what you describe, Rico, um, as you know, as we know. Uh, so I, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things that I think, uh, makes me increasingly proud to work here, right? Because we're, uh, you know, we really are, are pushing the limits and kind of challenging the model and, and expanding mm-hmm. on, you know, our clients' value and influence within their organizations and, and their, their professional lives. It's a great observation. And, and a lot of that is born out of the fact that as Exigent, right, we, we started as what is a traditional outsourced, you know, um, alternative legal services provider. Our journey has migrated into not only consulting on technology and the technology journey for clients and that they have in their stack, but also developing our own tools and our own technology, right? And there's nothing quite like going through the client experience yourself as a business to make you understand where you are and, and what you're doing, right? And, you know, the, the world out there is full of suitcase words like, you know, artificial intelligence and, you know, deep learning and an algorithm, you know, and you, you're only able to speak to a client and consult with a client at that level if you've actually lived that journey. And that's a great point you make that many ALSPs have gone a different way. We've decided that moving up the value chain makes us, makes us, uh, an alternative, alternative legal services provider. And it's about how you communicate that to clients, um, that, that makes them feel more comfortable with, with, you know, this journey. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, Rico and I just both recently, uh, either watched or read the same, same interview. And, and then there, there are a lot of comments on, on the same, on this interview that pretty much, um, boiled down to the fact that innovation and technology in the legal space are not the same thing. And, and comment after comment was, was saying that. And it's like, I, I took a step back. I was like, well, isn't that obvious, right? <laughs> Tech platform on its own you know, is a tech platform and it's not creating influence. It's not creating value. It's not doing, you know, anything except existing, right? It all comes from how you're using the tool and is it the right tool? And, um, you know, I think it's, it's really interesting that I think most, uh, let's say other um, facets of, of a business realize that, you know, 20 years ago, Right. And, and legal departments are now suddenly realizing the difference between innovation and technology because they're almost synonymous because they, you know, legal departments were asked to innovate at the same time that the, the tech, uh, kind of became available. And so, um, you know, when we're talking about the ALSP kind of unique perspective on this, 
it, it really needs that exclamation point because um, we're talking about how technology can be, can be leveraged and applied effectively to get to those answers, not as, uh, you know, the sole or only solution, right? Um, <laughs> we all know that, that uh, a lot of tech implementations fail. Um, they fail at implementation because people don't adopt the technology. They don't customize it well enough. They don't, they don't do the things that, that are needed to actually drive at the commercial value and the answers that uh, legal departments or really anybody is, is looking for. Um, and so I think that, that focusing on the solution orientation of the partnership and finding that right partner, whether it's an ALSP or anybody, who has the deep experience and, you know, global experience uh, to kind of solve those problems and meet your, your needs. That's the absolute, you know, foundational first step. I think that really articulates, you know, the, you know, talking about the, the base level from, you know, when ALSPs began, which was, you know, contract review or, um, you know, really basic, um, you know, um, legal um, tasks and work like that to, to fast forward to, to the conversation. You just had Eric around, um, you know, ad- advising on, um, you know, technology or, um, you, you know, leveraging you know, expertise on specific technology, whether it be AI technology or, um, you know, discovery technology, whatever the technology may be. I think that is a, that is a really, you know, interesting point I thought worth articulating because I think that that's something that, um, not, not a lot of people aren't that aware about in terms of, you know, being, you know, working with an ALSP that can, you know, not only source um, and all, uh, a third-party technology, but have the expertise to, to use it effectively within within the organisation um, that they're working with. Would you uh, be able to both perhaps share some final thoughts or comments on you know, where our listeners uh, may be able to start if they're starting out, or um, or you know, shift direction to um, from from your experience of you know, working with legal departments, and as you've obviously seen what's worked well and what hasn't i want to latch on to something eric eric has just said which is how many actual you know technology implementations fail and and unfortunately there's a there's a fairly high percentage of that with legal tech right much more so than than fintech or or the regulatory tech out there and i think one of the key challenges is that it it's very much a case that the legal industry is still quite focused on you know on that off the shelf or out of the box deployment um, you know, legal departments are quite unique. They are the custodians of risk. They face an uh, inordinate amount of challenges every day. We can see the impact of, of the current epidemic on, you know, on legal departments in particular um, and, and the stresses that they are placed under. And what we've been emphasizing a lot is, is the fact that technology doesn't have to be um, separated from the services and the consultative element, right? So when we, we talk to a client about the technology they have or the technology we have, you know, and our stack ranges from, you know, contract assembly, workflow tools, straight through to, you know, now unstructured data search capabilities. Um, it, it's really about helping them with the, the implementation and understanding of what this means today and what this means in the future. So I think the first thing to do is to don't, you know, just fall for all of the hype out there, right? We don't believe that just downloading an app or installing, you know, a new tool is going to solve the fundamental business problem. 
um, because if we did that, we wouldn't have, you know, the vast number of people we have delivering really competent high-level services to clients. So I think dismiss the hype that you that you necessarily read in, in, in a lot of, you know, presentations and, and white papers and even webinars out there and focus on, you know, is there a partnership that, that will come alongside me, help me through this transition space and still be around afterwards, you know, not just disconnect from the process once the installation is complete. So, you know, to to a legal department that is looking to start this journey with an ALSP is to really understand the full value chain, to understand where an ALSP will start with you on this process and where, if at all, they will disconnect. And it's important to find to find something. And we've, we've learned that as our recipe for success. It's going along that journey and helping clients firstly use what they have and secondly, not just believe in the blank statement that technology or innovation you know will be our savior get the basics right and and take it from there and speak to people that are willing to share information and share knowledge don't jump to the large-scale tech solution when you're trying to figure out how to how to fix your problems or or what the um you know what the the pressures might be that your you know immediate problems that you're facing uh and you and you try to solve them uh you know a, a more incremental approach might help you uh you know both achieve your commercial goals and mitigate risk right because uh the risk of launching technology for example without a foundation or the right expertise to adequately deploy uh that could fail miserably and then your your own personal risk of you know developing legal influence or anything else is uh not not going to come to fruition um so I think I identify what the quick wins might be. Um, you know, look at what your what your actual problem is. Uh, you know, as Rico and and Simon can both attest to, the number of times that I get a call from a, a potential client who's looking for a contract management solution, um, and really their immediate problem is uh, is in contract workflow as opposed to contract analytics or optimization. Um, it's really shocking. Ultimately, they probably have the tools that they already need in place to optimize their contract workflow. They don't necessarily have the expertise to do it. Um, but they're so, you know, they've got tunnel vision for contract technology, contract management technology. Um, that's not going to fix their needs and they're not going to leverage it appropriately. So, you know, it's a, a misallocation of funds, right? You could do it cheaper and better. Uh, you know, by maybe shuffling some things around organizationally or leveraging your current tech stack. Um, so I think first is, you know, find the, the, ask yourself what your real problem is as opposed to, um, you know, jumping to the, the technology or, or innovation, uh, side of things. Um, you know, just a couple quick stories. Uh, oftentimes the, our clients have a hunch about what's wrong. And, you know, sometimes our work is a bit confirmatory. So we had a large consumer packaged goods company who had who was staring down um, down the barrel at a three million dollar uh, IP uh, outside counsel invoice for an IP uh, case that they that they were struggling with, um, and it was more than double what they had budgeted. Uh, so you know, looking through that and and just simply doing an audit of uh, a legal audit of those bills. And comparing to um, the billing guidelines for the for the client, uh, we're able to identify 
buy opportunities for uh, both write downs and rebates uh, from the bill. Um, totally justified uh, to the tune of about a million dollars. And so they didn't have the internal resources or capability to do that. Um, you know, when the, this huge multinational company has their, uh, their uh, general counsel signing the, the invoice approvals, um, all of them <laughs> come across his desk, uh, you know, adequate work can't be done to, uh, you know, ferret out block billing and whatnot. Um, and so that, that's, uh, you know, a risk mitigation and cost savings outcome. Similarly, uh, you know, on the law firm side, when you look at what the, the risks that law firms are facing and how they can leverage an ALSP, not just to lower their cost of, uh, of service delivery on the back end, um, you know, there are things that they can do to save, save money and, and uh, for their clients in the end. And, you know, be more efficient in their billing, adhere to alternative fee arrangements or, um, you know, whatever their client is requesting of them. Uh, all of that ultimately uh, could feed savings. But they always have that information security risk looming, right? Because law firms are sitting on massive amounts of their client's IP. And so if they're not up to date on their uh, information security management systems and, and ISO compliance, then they're actually increasing the risk for their client, the risk that their client, their client's legal department is, is working to mitigate. And so, uh, you know, there's this trickle down pressure in that space. And so, you know, the, there are information security management, um, consultants out there who know nothing about the unique structures of, of law firms or corporate legal departments. And as a result, they they might roll into a law firm and uh, with a you know, fundamental lack of understanding of the model of their business and really, really struggle to implement a, a viable uh, information security management system. So that's something that we're doing currently for a, a large law firm here in the U.S. Um, and making it so that they're not only safeguarding their own data, but their clients' data as well. Um, mitigating every, helping everybody mitigate risk, yeah, which is the goal of anybody working in a legal capacity uh, or one of. Um, so yeah, so I think there are a lot of wins to working with with uh, you know a robust legal services provider uh, and ALSP. Um, you know where alternative just means not massive billable hour uh, structure. I think it's important to to highlight that that um, that there there is a lot of collaboration happening in the in the market between well us exigent as an example and and law firms to deliver joint models to their to their end customer or the the end corporate client. I think that's um that's an important point to know, and I think there's there's um, particular law firms out there that are you know, really collaborative and really proactive with that and um, em- embracing that and um, you know, getting some really um, you know, really strong results um, from from that and then there's a so there's, there's some that that aren't aren't so so open to that but there's um, there's a lot happening out there in the market and I think the um, the conversation that we're, we're going to have um, yeah in the coming weeks with 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 both of you is you know, weighing up um, you know, ALSPs versus law firms and, um, and the power of that combination. Thanks for listening to the Exigent Legal Tech Mashup Podcast. For more information, 
visit exigent-group.com. Subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes.